This is Quotations, a podcast about words, written and spoken throughout history. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. The Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known. Hello and welcome to Quotations. I'm Matthew Monroe. Here's today's quote. Quote, Live as if you were living for the second time and had acted as wrongly the first time as you are about to act now. End quote. This week's quote comes to us from Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was born March 26th, 1905 in Vienna of what was then Austria-Hungary, and he died September 2nd in 1997 in Vienna, then Austria. And he grew up and attended school in Austria and began studying psychology in night classes during junior high school. During that time, he took a course in Freudian theory, and yes, that's Sigmund Freud. And as a teenager, Frankel decided to write to Freud just as a matter of curiosity. It's a fairly bold thing for a 16-year-old to do. And they struck up a conversation. And they struck up a correspondence, and they exchanged letters back and forth. And eventually, Frankel wrote a short paper, two to three pages, I believe, is the is the length. And he sent it to Freud, and, and Freud liked it so much that he asked if he could publish it. And imagine that. Imagine how astonishing that must be to a young teenage individual writing to one of the greatest psychologists of the day. In fact, the most well-known of the day. And... Could not and, and Frankel, of course, as many of us would, could not imagine having turned him down. So indeed, that paper was published, and you could argue that that was one of Frankel's very first published papers. And having it published by one of the foremost minds in the field of the day must have been an amazing feeling for him. Interestingly enough, shortly thereafter, he would question, he would begin to question Freudian psychoanalysis. And Freudian psychoanalysis is based largely on the ideas of sexual repression, conflicts in the subconscious, things like that. You've heard of the Oedipus complex and things of that nature. These are things that Freud would have been a significant proponent of, and many of which have been largely debunked to this day. But at the time, it explained a lot. It explained a lot of people's behavior, and Freud had good explanations for those things based on the science of the day. Shortly after Frankel broke ties with Sigmund Freud, he became a student of another master of psychology, one Alfred Adler. And Alfred Adler had a different theory of psychoanalysis, and his was based largely around unfulfilled desires for power and the corresponding inferiority complexes that went with them. So this was the new school of thought that Frankel found himself under the tutelage of, and that was that was Alfred Adler's. And much as he had with Freud, Frankel would go on to disagree with Adler as well, and publicly even. Which is, again, for somebody as young in their career, relatively speaking, as Frankel was compared to Adler and Freud, it was quite an impressive and strong-willed approach to take, given the gravitas and pedigree of these two masters of their day. And he went on, of course, to build his own theory of subconscious and conscious thought. And it was based around the need for meaning and purpose. And he is considered to be the father of the many factors theory of psychology, that being that psychological behavior is 
the result of many influences. It is not simply sexual repression and conflict. It is not simply desires for power and inferiority complexes. It's, in fact, the many factors theory of psychology is still in use today. It is how we explain a lot of how it is that we end up thinking the way we do and behaving the way that we do is this many factors theory. And Frankel was the, the father of that. And in his search for value and meaning, he mentions that we all do this in all of life's circumstances and finding, searching for and finding that value and that meaning in the various life circumstances that we find ourselves in is a key to our well-being. His basic thought was that regardless of what happens to us in life, if we can find value and we can find meaning, even in the worst of times, we will be a healthy and well-put-together individual. Which makes a certain amount of sense. We have talked about that before. We've talked about profound loss. For example, last year, I lost my grandmother. And per Frankel's explanation of, of potentially my psychology at the time, he would say that the point, the, the best way for me to stay healthy in the face of such great loss would be to find value and find meaning. And meaning is meaning and value have both been things that as a result of that were something that I sought out. Not knowingly, that was long before I researched for this particular episode, but it makes a lot of sense. We can experience great hardships and great troubles. I mean, look at the history of someone like Frankel. Frankel is a Jew. He lives in Austria-Hungary prior to Nazi occupation thereof, and he escapes with his life. And he ends up working with people who were survivors of the Holocaust, of World War II, of Nazi Germany's oppressive approach to the rest of Europe, and especially, most especially, the Jews of the various countries therein. And he helps to helps them to become healthy, psychologically fit human beings by finding the two very things that I've mentioned, value and meaning, even in such horrors as the Nazi concentration camps, with the loss of loved ones and friends and family and children. And that's an impressive feat. And that's, I think, part of the reason why his words are so profound. I mean, anybody who's experienced that kind of hardship and comes out of it with a theory of how to be a better person and how to make life better and how to see through the adversities of life and explain the reasons that you're feeling and thinking the way that you are feeling and thinking is worth noting. So here we are. And the book from which today's quote originates, which is his groundbreaking book, Man's Search for Meaning, was born in the early 1930s, kind of started work on it in the early 1930s and worked on it progressively throughout that decade. And Austria was, of course, annexed, annexed, occupied, taken over, etc. Whatever you want to call it, was annexed in 1938 by the Nazis. And Franklin and his family were forced to flee. Unfortunately, they were unable to do so, and as a result, were captured and sent to the concentration camps. So here's Frankel, one of the great minds of his day, now stuck in a concentration camp with an unfinished memoir of a book. And Frankel, in the concentration camps, lost his mother, his father, his brother, and his pregnant wife. So talk about somebody who has experienced profound hardship and loss. And he spent three years in the concentration camps, in four different camps, in fact, including two infamous ones, Dachau and Auschwitz. Not that there wasn't a non-infamous concentration camp, but two of the most well-known and prolific concentration camps. Frankel was in both. And during those most horrific of circumstances, he saw many and varied responses to 
the traumas experienced therein, and they reinforced his ideas. What he saw was that those who absorbed the hardships of the concentration camps and allowed despair to seep into their lives, allowed the pointlessness of it all, allowed the inevitability of death and torment and torture and loss to take hold of them, they suffered a kind of psychological death, as he would describe it. They found themselves with an inability to get up, an inability to even move sometimes. So physical, very physical manifestations of the internal despair that these prisoners were experiencing at the hands of their tormentors. On the opposite hand, people who were able to find meaning, even the slightest of meanings, in the way that people received that same torment and torture and difficulty and didn't fall into despair they were able to find a sense of meaning that sense of meaning could be as simple as finding giving an encouraging word to another prisoner who was down that particular day there are many fantastic and amazing stories of people and the kindness in the worst moments in those camps and the very best of humanity showing through in the prisoners whether it was saving a small piece of bread from your ration to give to somebody else or stealing a piece of bread from the kitchen where you worked for another prisoner who was sick. Whatever it was, writing poetry, singing songs, uplifting other prisoners, anybody who was able to find meaning and value in those most tortuous of circumstances was much better off in the long run, as it turned out. And so, while Frankel didn't finish his book prior to the annexation of Austria-Hungary by the Germans in 1938, instead he grew this rich and reinforcing web of human anecdotal proof that what he posited was the driving force behind human psychology was actually true. And so then, of course... He lives and leaves the concentration camps, is liberated, along with the other surviving Jews of the day and others in, in the camps, and goes on to publish the book. And he published the book just a year after the war ended in 1946. And since then, the book has been reprinted 73 different times. It's been translated into 24 languages and has sold more than 10 million copies worldwide. And today's quote comes from a section of the book related to one of the three legs of what Frankel calls the tragic triad. And the tragic triad is guilt, suffering, and death. So his quote for today, which I'll read for you in just a minute here, is in reference to death. And Frankel talks about this tragic triad, and he argues that we will all, regardless of our life trajectory, regardless of the things that we do or the places we find ourselves, we will all experience all three of these in our lives. Death, if for nobody else but ourselves, likely for plenty of others around us. Plenty of guilt, and of course, suffering. So those three, he said, we will experience no matter what we do in life. No matter how hard we try to avoid them, they are unavoidable. And those three particular tragedies are our very best opportunities to exercise the search for value and meaning. Again, the book is called the man's uh, is called Man's Search for Meaning. In reference to death specifically, he refers to all of life, every moment of life as transitory, and that they are moments 
that are never to recur. And therefore, each subsequent moment is an opportunity to do better than the previous moment. And so again, I'll read the quote for you, but he says in reference to this, quote, live as if you were living for the second time and had acted as wrongly the first time as you are about to act now, end quote. And of course, these wonderfully eloquent words in his book hold a very, very important meaning for us. He's asking us to take our, to disembody ourselves, to step outside of ourselves for a moment and imagine that this is our second or third or fourth or tenth try at this whole life thing. He's not advocating for reincarnation, but he's asking us to step outside ourselves and imagine for a moment that this is the case, that we have done this before and that we know from carried over memories from a life lived before that the thing that we are about to do is wrong, that we acted wrongly the last time or the time before that or the time before that, and that we know that and that we have the ability to intervene based on that knowledge and live better. Now, this is very hard, like a lot of things, to apply in the macro, to apply over the course of an entire life. Right? This goes back to Benjamin Franklin and his 13 virtues, how hard those are, how much time he had to spend on each individual one just to be able to accomplish even a fraction of what he had hoped to, and never mind all 13 for an entire life. Frankel is saying, pretend like you know that when you're about to do something wrong or when you're about to do something bad or immoral or questionable, that you've done this before and that you have that information at your very fingertips and that you can then therefore choose not to repeat that mistake you have made in the past. Now, why is this compelling? This is compelling in a different way than just knowing that something is wrong and not doing it because there is a sense of failing oneself to do that. Of course, it's a failure to do something wrong. It's a failure of character. It's a failure of morality, possibly a failure of ethics, etc. But if you have a pre-existing knowledge of yourself and you are living a second, third, fourth, or tenth time and repeating the same mistakes, there is a certain amount of additional guilt that comes from that. And hopefully it's a compelling guilt. It's the kind of guilt that leads you to make a better decision, which is ultimately what Frankel wants us to do here, is to live as if we were living for the second time and had acted wrongly the first time. It's to have pre-existing knowledge and a sense of shame such that we don't want to fall victim to a worse version of ourselves. And this speaks directly to you, the listener, as I'm sure it does to me, in that we want to better ourselves. That's part of the pursuit of this podcast, which is repeated over and over again, that we want to be better versions of ourselves. So we pursue doggedly that. So if I imagine that when I am about to behave badly, when I am about to behave wrongly, when I'm about to behave questionably, that I am, I am repeating a mistake that I have already made in another life, there's a certain amount of shameful compulsion to not repeat that same mistake. And just the act of taking the moment to be able to pause and pretend like I have lived previously and know better than this from that previous life is enough often to prevent me from acting wrongly. So Frankel is providing for us a framework around which to question and interrogate our behaviors to make sure that we are living the very best version of our life that we possibly can. So in that way, Frankel's words like all of these, live on and are applicable broadly across our entire lives. Now, will we fall short? Of course we will. But, as he says, every moment in life is transitory. It will never recur. And therefore, we will have this opportunity again. 
this speaks to the Christian notion that God gives us the same test over and over and over again until we pass. This is that same thing framed in a more agnostic kind of way. It says that every moment you have the opportunity to interrogate, to ask yourself if you've done this before and you did it wrongly and you're about to do it wrongly again, ought you not to change your behavior? Frankel would say yes. And I think that's my takeaway from this. That's why I like this quote so much. It's why it resonates with me is because in every moment of every day when I am about to behave badly or wrongly or questionably, I can look at this and say, I know that. I know it's wrong. I know it's questionable. I know it's bad. If I had lived this way before, perhaps I should not repeat myself. I should not repeat the same mistake. And I make a different decision. So ask yourself that. The next time you're presented with a situation where you're going to act wrongly, badly, or questionably, ask yourself, if I had done this before, and I know better, am I going to repeat myself? Or am I going to choose the better path? Am I going to live as though I am living for the second time and the first time had behaved as wrongly as I'm about to behave? Ask yourself that. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe. This is Quotations, and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at quotationspod or join the conversation on Facebook at quotationspod. I look forward to hearing from you. Welcome your feedback. And thanks as always for listening.